In this episode of Wisdom Talks, John Bhatta looks into the four Dharma Dutta spoken about by the Buddha, translated as the four messengers. They can free us from the unsettling and distressing nature associated with ageing, illness and death. We have been uh, journeying or uh, on a pilgrimage through the uh, teachings of the Buddha that are um, collected and classified in terms of uh, numbered collections, sets of numbers. More specifically, they're, they can be called uh, Buddhist psychology, psychological teachings. And uh, having looked at uh, sets of three, we've looked into uh, a few of the sets of four, including the four noble truths, And then we had um, the uh, four sources of stress and suffering. We had the uh, four foundations of mindfulness. The four right efforts. And then the four spiritual emotions. So um, this evening, another set of uh, four. And these are the uh, four Dhammadutta. Dharma Dutta. So Dharma we translate as uh, reality, truth, reality teachings, especially the teachings of the Buddha, and then Dutta being um, a messenger or a uh, message, a message or messenger. So the four messages or the four messengers that uh, uh, we can appreciate and use. Obviously, in, in our practice, they're not just meant for, for Buddhist monastics, monks and nuns, but for anybody to apply and engage into, uh, into life. So then, um, uh, what uh, could, should, would be the best way that life could uh, wake up the mind that has become identified with and as the individual self, so to wake up to truth, to wake up to reality. What could be the best way that um, life could wake us up, or that we could, in a sense, wake up to life? And then this is through the three, the three realities or the three truths um, together with the, the four, the fourth which is the messenger pointing the way, having woken up because of these three things. And these three things which are uh, a message, um, a messenger with a message, they're fundamental to life. They are, in a sense, part of the process of life for ourselves and also for any and every creature, any and every sentient being. So these three are, before the fourth, aging, illness and death, which are not meant to be uh, looked at as something negative, something morbid, but, uh, but a reality, a truth, a fact, a fact of life. And it's... Uh, <coughs> It's an interesting fact that uh, often in the Buddha's teachings, there's so much that uh, 
the Buddha's teachings uh, have us look at that that generally or otherwise we we probably wouldn't, especially in terms of uh, pain or stress or distress or disappointment and suffering. Who'd want to have a look at that? Who wanted? Who would want to notice that? But but certainly the Buddha's teaching, especially with the four the four uh, noble truths, really sort of says, "Have a look at this. Have a look at this reality. Have a look at this truth. The truth, truth, the truths of uh, stress and suffering. Because usually there would be a, a reacting, a resisting, a denying, and distracting to such things. But uh, that can cause uh, more problems. So especially with the the pain and the distress and the suffering that comes from aging and illness and death, rather than being in reaction to this and living a life um, um, trying to deny these things, to actually go to them and, and look at them and and in that process really wake up. And the, the important point here is waking up the mind, which has become identified as the individual separate self, and the separate self then becoming identified as the body. This is me here, separate body, separate me, separate self. But, but hey, um, this body is aging, this body does experience illness, will get sick and will die. And that's a huge amount of distress and suffering for the self. So, so these three messengers offer um, a way of waking up from the sleep, from the slumber, to find an alternative. And the alternative is the fourth messenger, which is that of the spiritual aspirant, the religious practitioner, the mendicant uh, monk seeker that is um, practicing and looking to realize reality, realize freedom. Freedom from the illusion, freedom from the confusion, freedom from the conflict, freedom from uh, being caught into, not knowing, not seeing, not understanding. And these, uh, these together as, as four messengers were um, spoken about by the Buddha, where two and a half thousand years ago, before the Buddha was the Buddha, when he was um, an unenlightened uh, individual, a young chap called Siddhartha. The story goes that um, at the time of Siddhartha's birth, that he was born as a, a prince to his father, King Suddhodana, and uh, it was said that um, at that time, a, uh, a soothsayer said, Ah, King Suddhodana, your son, this, uh, this prince, will either become a great, a great um, ruling monarch, a great king, or he'll become a great Dharma teacher, a great spiritual uh, teacher. And so obviously uh, Suddhodana didn't want his son to... Uh, leave uh, the home life, leave the palace, uh, leave the family tradition and go off to become a, um, a recluse, a mendicant, a monk, a spiritual teacher. And so the uh, Suddhodana kept his son Siddhartha away from things that would, uh, would motivate him to think about life and think about uh, what's going on, um, causing existential stress and angst. And so he was, um, the story goes, he was kept in th between three palaces and was kept away from these things would un would unsettle him, and uh, it was only um, uh, apparently from the story of his life uh, when he was twenty nine that he, uh, on four occasions, 
went outside the um, the um, palace and the courtyard, confined area with his uh, charioteer on the first occasion. He uh, saw um, a very old person and was confused. Uh, you know, what's where's this person from? I've never seen a person like this. Maybe they're from not not from this region. And he was told by his uh, charioteer, this person is from here. They're just very, very old. And um, that if you're lucky enough, you get to be old like them. And that was very shocking and distressing for him. On a second occasion, he saw, saw someone that was very, very ill, very sick. And again, didn't know what was, what was going on with that person. Was told, well, sickness comes to all people. You too uh, will, will experience great sickness, especially... Um, um, happens through the course of life, and that also unsettled him. And then on the third occasion, he saw uh, a corpse, a dead body, and wondered why this person wasn't wasn't moving, and was told that well, this this is a a body, a dead body. Um, life no longer in, inhabits this this body. It's dead, and um, and that was very unsettling for him, and shook him up. And because of that, uh, he experienced what is called sang vega, a sense of uh, overwhelm, a sense of um, distress, a sense of uh, what is it all about. Maybe uh, in today's society, if he went and saw a psychiatrist or psychologist, he might be told, well, obviously you're depressed, you have clinical depression, we can prescribe some medication for that so that you gain more sort of uh, happiness and joy in life and uh, don't look at these negative things. But uh, um, fortunately, he, uh, he saw the medicine or the messenger of the fourth site. So on, on the fourth occasion, he, outside the palace, saw a person that was a, uh, a mendicant, a wandering monk or ascetic, and um, on inquiring about uh, what what this person is doing, what their business is, what their profession is, was told that this is a, a person that is uh, seeking seeking spiritual awareness, spiritual enlightenment, spiritual freedom uh, through practicing meditation, various spiritual practices, and that this got him thinking that okay, um, life appears to be something quite distressing, aging, illness, and death, but there are those that uh, are seeking the way beyond that, seeking a spiritual freedom, a freedom of the mind identified with the body that will obviously experience aging and illness and death. And that became a great motivating force for him. He felt that um, uh, felt a sense of um, alignment to that. Yes, I too could devote my time, my energy, my life to realizing reality, realizing freedom, and therefore being able to help others uh, find that for themselves as well. At the time, he was married and had a, um, a, uh, a young son, but um, obviously the, the motivation, the inspiration, the enthusiasm, the possibility of realizing that freedom was uh, greater than his, his desire to stay home with his uh, wife and child and continue in the... the lineage line of um, his father and maybe maybe out of great compassion as well feeling that um, if I find and realize this spiritual freedom that seems to be something which people are doing maybe I could share that and, and my family could find and realize that freedom as well if I find
find the way to that. And so obviously he did uh, leave home and after six years of um, practicing in various places with various teachers, fulfilling their teachings, finding there was nothing more he could learn from them and finally uh, um, developing meditation himself, insight meditation, realizing ultimate truth, freedom, enlightenment, nirvana, uh, and thus from that time on being termed a Buddha, one who has realized full, complete spiritual enlightenment for themselves through their own efforts, since there wasn't any other fully enlightened people at that time, at least in that place, giving teachings that he could rely on. And so he's termed a Buddha, one who's realized reality, ultimate freedom for themselves, and then spent the next uh, 45 years uh, teaching and establishing a community, community of um, monastics and lay people that were aligned to that practice and possibility. However, we can appreciate that much of this, much of his legacy and all that we have today, two and a half thousand years later, is a result, you know, to some degree, of those four messengers of aging, of illness and death, and and the messenger of uh, someone that um, can inspire or or show us that there is a way to realize peace, happiness, ultimate happiness, freedom beyond being identified as the limitation of this body. However, however, um, the thing is that um, we need to have our eyes open to to see to see these uh, four things, and in fact, they're they're all around us. They're they're happening to us, or at least to to this body. Now that we're all um, aging, um, babies age. That's how they that's how they grow and get older. And so aging is 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 all around us, and uh, obviously becomes more significant um, the longer our body has been alive in this particular form, especially when it starts to change and. Um, the hair either falls out or goes grey, <laughs> and um, the body sort of uh, doesn't feel so flexible and and um, so easeful to to be in, and uh, so aging does occur. And uh, so yes, it's part of part of our experience. Also, illness, illness. Uh, um, there's probably no one here in this room that hasn't had some sort of illness to some sort of degree. Uh, we've all been sick. The bodies, uh, bodies of all of us, have been sick to some degree, and maybe also uh, mental, emotional illness as well, you know, from um, subtle e unease, distress, irritation, of anxiety, and depression. Um, certainly, it's that's what we have experienced. Maybe we will, we will experience it, and as well, also we we know other people that have experienced illness or that are ill. Um, in in various ways, and then the, the third messenger of uh, of death. That okay, these bodies that that we have here, they're alive, but but death is all around us. Um, we exist because of death, especially if you eat meat. Um, even plants have to die as well. You might eat them raw, still alive, but they <laughs> they end up dead. But but even with that. Um, um, anyone here that still has a great-grandparent living? No? Anyone that still has a grandparent living? 
couple of people. Um, and uh, probably a number of us have parents living. Yeah. Maybe one parent, maybe two parents. But also, as well, uh, as, well as that, um, um, siblings. Siblings that um, uh, may have died. And, um, and, and also, very sad, when, when children die. So death. Death is something which is all around us. So we have, we have already experienced it in terms of the death of other people. Family members, um, distant relatives, uh, friends colleagues, people that we know of. So these three three messengers are there. But but often we we don't fully get the message. We're in some sort of a way in denial. So in denial or in distraction or in reaction or rejection of of these three things. And again it's not about being morbid and being negative and being depressed about it, but it's about going, okay, if these three things are are there and they're happening to or will happen to this body, if I am identified with this body, if this is me, then I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm going to age, I am aging, I'm going to get sick, I am sick, and I'm going to die, I am dying. So, so that's, that's a huge source of stress and suffering. And so to, to start to see what, uh, what is identified as the body, which again, this sense of individual self. What is what is the individual self? Is it the body? Is it the mind? Or maybe is it uh, uh, a psychological process of identifying with something, with this body or with this mind or, or with things, other people, or with a profession? So self as this psychological identification process for the purpose of relating, relating into life, communicating into life so it's a helpful it's a helpful program but it's not a static stable sure ongoing thing in any static form it changes it changes so this certainly was um, a great insight that the that the buddha woke up to and especially uh, where we have reflected upon this in the uh, the three characteristics of existence as anicca, dukkha, anatta, impermanence, the unsatisfactory, uh, un, um, dissatisfaction, distress, suffering aspect of life and also of the no permanent self or soul aspect as well. And, and certainly the, the, uh, the three, these three realities, aging, illness and death, point to, point to impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and no permanent self. And then the religious pr- practitioner um, is, is offering or pointing to the direction and the way out of, out of all of that, the, the way to freedom. So then, the, then the question becomes, um, what's it going to take? How much of those three things, aging, illness, and death, or this, even the fourth, will it take for us to, to wake up? to get real, to um, not be complacent, not waste time and energy. Maybe a little bit, a little bit of aging, a little bit of illness, a little bit of the experience of death of maybe others around us, maybe more, a lot, uh, or maybe even a, um, a dose of monastic life. <laughs> maybe just a retreat, 
go and do a retreat, that's enough to, uh, to realize, hey, um, stop identifying with, with egoic self, the body, um, realize reality. So it's really a question for yourselves to, uh, to pause and ponder, how much do I need to, uh, to dose up um, of these four things to wake up, to wake up to truth, to wake up to reality, to wake up to freedom, because, because as long as the mind is identified as the self and the self as the body, then there's, there's problems, there's problems, and, and life certainly is limited. We don't know when the end of uh, this physical life is going to be. So, um, like the last words of the Buddha, that's that sense of um, all things are impermanent, realize reality with earnestness, with a sense of um, motivation, because uh, who knows, who knows when the, the end will be. There's a saying in Thai, I've said it a few times here, um, goes, uh, which translates as, none of us really know whether tomorrow will be the beginning of our new day or the beginning of our new life. Because we didn't get enlightened, we died last night, and then waking up to being reborn again, again and again and again. Uh, which, to some people, might be fine. <laughs> Back to school again. No. <laughs> but uh, so, so certainly to to make use of um, of uh, time, real time, uh, real time now present time to realize reality, especially through these uh, four dhamma If uh, If we knew that uh, um, we didn't have long to live, then when it, when it comes down to it, we probably would basically live, live mindfully. Live mindfully, live consciously, um, with a sense of um, not creating stress for ourselves or others, We'd be kind to ourselves and to others. We'd um, uh, probably practice meditation um, every day. We'd um, read some um, spiritual Dharma teaching books, listen to talks. Um, we'd not get caught into pettiness and uh, frustrations and worry. Uh, in many ways, we, we would live how we ideally should be living now anyway. Um, Maybe maybe things like work and those things might might change, or, or maybe maybe not, because if we're living mindfully, you can be living mindfully at work, going to work, or at home, putting the garbage out, or washing up, or whatever. It's just about being mindful, being present to life, sitting, walking, standing, lying down, eating, talking, etc. And uh, so. The, fundamentally, there shouldn't be any any particular um, changes. And how do we? Uh, your question about how to um, prepare for these things. Well, the preparation is uh, the same preparation for for now. Be mindful with awareness and an awareness of uh, the realities that could be happening any time, all the time. So aging, illness, and, and dying, in a sense, are happening all the time for us in some sort of a way. And so that if we're, if we're living with that understanding, then when they happen in a more significant way, then, um, then there's less distress or less shock 
um, and so that we uh, we do notice those gray hairs as opposed to uh, um, not noticing them and uh, but if noticing oh yes there's there's two gray hairs oh there's five gray hairs oh there's seven gray hairs oh there's fifteen gray hairs and so so we notice our ah, change is happening uh, the more mindful we are the more we're able to see the process of change happening as opposed to being so caught up in the future and then suddenly something happens and it's like well wow this is a big shock but actually it's been happening for the last so many years or however but we just didn't notice it because we're always living the life ahead of ourselves so mindfulness and then also just an awareness of these these messengers uh, as part of the fabric of of life so that we we're sort of seeing them so because they're all all there so seeing seeing aging seeing people at different ages um, awareness of illness happening awareness of death happening turn on the tv death um, and so that when it does come closer to us there's less distress around it and certainly that's that's certainly uh, a lot of the buddha's teachings preparing people for for the reality of life strange again that uh, these things that are so much part of the fabric of life uh, we often spend so much time and energy and money um, distracting from or reacting to and yet um, if we were able to become more connected and aware of them then finding a peace as well so that it's not like uh, having to continue to keep running from reality and it's costing me so much it's wearing me out um, but a sense of like, ah, I can slow down, I can actually accept how things are. Uh, illness will happen, but also it's a responsible thing to be looking to, to heal when and where possible, because resignation is, is like a, a negative trait as opposed to an acceptance that illness will happen, and also I need to look after the body as much as long as I can and uh, find cure and healing from illness, also prevent illness occurring, part of proper care and attendance to the physical side of life, and also to the mental side of life as well. And then because of that, not to live in fear and, and sort of uh, an anxious nervousness that I could die at any time, all I need to do is hold my breath for more than three minutes and I'll die, but more just... Uh, to, to, to have it there as a, a background awareness, but also to, to be able to be proactive and, and engaging and thinking about the future as well. So it's like the holding these truths or these ideas, but also not clinging to them, but holding them um, in awareness and so that, that they don't cause a total focus, being totally focused on death and illness and, and aging, but a sense of, yes, it's there, it's happening, I'm aware of it, I'm making choices according to some of these uh, things in my life. For the wise, the wise proper use of, of uh, these truths. Otherwise it becomes quite morbid and uh, you never go outside the you know, your front door. Do you, do you see that a fair amount of illness in the world, and we might have to define illness, but illness is coming from a spiritual vacuum, so... Illness can be the alcoholism, the rush for retail therapy, um, 
drugs. You know, there's a, there's a whole range, and people are medicating because they can't deal with reality. Mm. Mm. Very much so, um, especially from a psychological point of view. That illness is not just a physical thing; it's it's a mental thing. And the context of uh, the Buddha's teachings, uh, uh, ultimate health is the mind free from that ignorance or illusion of uh, separate individual self. And uh, unless the mind has that that um, full understanding, then there is some degree of of illness or distress occurring. And so the Buddha is like the ultimate therapist or medical practitioner offering medicine of uh, wisdom and truth to help heal the mind that's caught into this uh, confusion and uh, misperception. But in terms of the well-awareness as a name, it's uh, um, wellness through awareness. So the more we are mindful or aware, then we're more able to proactively facilitate and support uh, wellness. So awareness creates and supports wellness. And to be well aware of that. I've uh, mentioned times uh, when I was in, in Thailand as a Buddhist monk, the, the monastery where I would spend most of my time was actually a burning ground, a charnel ground for the local village. And so that um, through the year, the, the, the monastery was, would um, have um, cremations, burnings of uh, bodies uh, happening there. The monks were called out to... Uh, uh, do some chanting at the in the home of the person that's, that's died, and then the, the villagers bring the body into the monastery, and then the, some of the village men would have um, collected some some wood and put the wood in between a a structure. There's like a set of like two two sets of stairs, um, concrete brick stairs that, that went up about two meters high, about a meter apart, about three meters wide, like two sets of stairs going up with a space in between. That was filled with wood. The body was put on top, usually in a coffin, and the body was, lie, was laid on the side in the coffin for uh, particular reasons. So the body wasn't, wasn't laying flat on the back, but put on, on the side. And then the monks did some more chanting, and then the um, uh, lay people, the people that were um, closest to the to the person's side, would walk up the stairs and put a put a candle on the on the coffin, um, and um, and then ultimately then the the pyre was lit, the body would uh, would burn. Pretty much the um, whole village would be sitting around this this area, just watching and talking and, and so forth, and watching the the, the pyre burning, and um, um, they then eventually uh, go back to the village and have a big party. <laughs> they were the noisy nights in the village. <laughs> People would get quite drunk, um, and um, um, some of the a few of the villagers elders would. Uh, stay around and help stoke the fire. The monks would also stoke the fire and just keep things burning and make sure things broke down, bones broke down enough to be just a um, collection of ashes and a few bits in the morning. But um, anyone know the reason the body was laid on the side? 
if, if the body's on, lying on the, on the back with the heat, the tendons, and especially the stomach, um, grow shorter, and the body sits up out of the coffin. <laughs> Could be a bit of a shock. <laughs> but because of, because of that, it was so exposed that um, death was just part of the fabric of life. And, and certainly um, there'd be babies there, there'd be children there, there'd be teenagers there, and they just, okay, well, this is, this is what's happened. Grandma died, that's how it is, and, and uh, who's going to be next? And you sort of even get a sense of the older people and who's, who's around as sort of part of that sort of uh, time that uh, it's going to happen. So there's less less distress and less uh, confusion and less upset. Sure, there's a little bit of sadness, but um, just part of part of reality, part of life. John, what about us um, being attached to other people too much for our own sense of self, or so then when they do pass, they don't feel like they can mm, go. Yeah. Well, that's where there there needs to be a degree of attachment for what we consider to be a, a healthy psychological relationship. But um, it's not to be overly attached. So it's the, the, right, the, right, the right amount of attachment, the right amount of connection and, and holding, holding without clinging. Uh, in the same way that uh, attachment is spoken about in early childhood, for the child needs to have a healthy attachment to the parents and parents of the child, especially from mother to child, for the child to... Uh, feel comfortable, feel safe, and to, to progress. So there, yes, needs to be enough enough attachment in a wholesome way for relationship, for the health of the relationship to occur. But um, uh, whatever attachment is there, to whatever degree, there will be the degree of unease or distress when when the person changes or gets sick or or does die. Um, and that's also part of part of the lesson, part of the learning. So, and we spoke about that in terms of the uh, four sources of stress and suffering, where the um, second one is losing what we like and love is a source of stress and suffering. Uh, and but the antidote is to to um, uh, when when the loss does happen, to be able to see ah, the more I'm attached to this, the more suffering or distress or grief. So let go because this is a reality you can't hold on to that which is is leaving or changing or or not around anymore so there can be holding and then okay this is not working i can then let go and put it down so it's about the right the right holding and then being able to let go to end on a little story about uh, that um reminds me um story of uh a, a family and the old dad is living with his son who ha- also has a son a young boy and the the uh, the son is thinks to himself my goodness you know we're looking after old dad you know he, he doesn't do anything much you know he just uh, sits around he talks a bit but he you know it's he eats food and we got to look after him so you know what's the point and um um he's basically a waste of space so he says to his son um what we'll do is we'll, we'll get the wheelbarrow out and we'll get that big old box and we'll, we'll um, put it in the wheelbarrow and we'll put old dad in the, in the box and we'll take him to the edge of the, 
the forest there was the cliff and we'll, t we'll tip him off. And um, so the, the, the son, the son and the grandson, the son's son, they say, okay, dad, you know, it's time to go. You know, we, we don't want to have to care for you anymore. You're a bit of a burden to us in the box. <laughs> so old dad goes, okay, well, I guess I can't fight. I can't fight with this. I'm in the box. And so, and with the lid as well. So they, he gets in the box and it's a, it's a big box and they take him off to the, in the wheelbarrow, off to the, the edge of the, the cliff and um, just about to tip him off. And there's a knock within the box and uh, they open the lid and they say, yes, old dad, what is it? And he says, I've got a suggestion. Why don't you just um, throw me off, but keep the box because your, your son will probably want the box to do the same with you. <laughs> <laughs> and so the son thought, oh my goodness, I'm showing my son what he's, what he's likely to do to me. Dad, stay in the box. We'll take you back home. <laughs> so do give some consideration to uh, the four messengers, the four Dhammadutta of aging, illness and death and the pointer of the monastic spiritual practitioner, which could even be ourselves. We're pointing ourselves towards uh, ultimate truth and reality, peace and freedom. So very, very important to, uh, to make use of these. So have a good week and see you next time. That's all for this episode. Until next time, head over to wellawareness.com.au and discover what's on offer to relieve stress and suffering and enhance your health and well-being. Ranging from one-on-one -on -one counselling relating to many issues facing individuals in today's modern world to meditation courses and retreats.